get your head in the game. Welcome, everyone. It's March 14th, 2022. This is the Ball Up Top podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. It was a good weekend for basketball. This week's show, first we're going to cover some news, just go over little tidbits here and there. We're going to review Winning Time, Episode 2, which we just got done watching. I like the show. We'll, we'll get more into that. But first, a couple quick announcements. Um, for those of you who don't know, we still we have our YouTube show going on, the At Ball Up Top channel. And we're covering the NBA's NFTs, NBA Top Shot. So this is a, a new thing for us. You know, we're kind of learning as we go, both YouTube and NFTs. So feel free to check that out. Subscribe, like, you know, anything you do to help us out, feel free to comment. Thursday is going to be our basketball philosophy. Last Thursday, we covered actually the first episode of Winning Time. So if you want to go back and listen to that. This week, um, I've got a little, I think I think it's going to be a nice little interesting topic on hand. And But this, like I said earlier, this week's episode is it's going to be about winning time. But first, we're going to jump into the news. It's looking like Brooke Lopez and George Hill are going to be coming back for the world champion Bucks. Um, I feel like this is big because the Bucks have been, they're a top three team in the East and they've been missing their starting center. Not only that, who fits so well in their offense. They went and got Serge Ibaka, who's going to be a nice little backup for both of them. Bobby Portis has filled in some role. Giannis has filled in some role. But even if, Brooke Lopez can only give them 10 to 15 minutes a game, but it's, you know, it's that solid, sometimes in the post, sometimes on the outside. It's going to do a lot for this team. George Hill coming back, he's a pro's pro. Like, there's no, whether he's sitting the bench or playing, adding George Hill to your team is always going to be a positive, despite what some Cavs fans might be thinking. Um, Anthony Davis was in the news. He said he felt like the Suns got away with one last year. Um, He was basically asked, I'm going to paraphrase some of this. He was asked if he felt if he was healthy last year, if the Lakers would have won. And he said 100%, quote, 100% sure, end quote. Now, I appreciate that he believes in himself and his teammates that much. It's important. I mean, you you don't become champions without that. But the Lakers you see this year are actually worse than the Lakers you saw last year, but not by a lot. Yes, Anthony Davis' injury was a big deal. LeBron's injuries are a big deal. You can't have your best players getting hurt and it not affect your team. The Suns are a different monster. The Suns didn't have depth issues. And I really feel like Chris Paul is, as Nate likes to put it, is a false as a force multiplier. So I, I don't see I don't see where I don't see the Lakers have beaten that Suns team in seven games. I just don't see it. Do I think they could have been a more competitive series? Yes. I just don't see them beating them in seven games. And that that includes this year. If you look this year. Chris Paul's missed time, Devin Booker's missed time, and they still have the best record in the NBA. Like, they've actually taken what they've learned last year and grown. Um, 
The Spurs, rumor has it, the Spurs like Quinn Snyder is a successor to Greg Popovich. But they also are saying that it looks like Popovich has got one more year left in him after this one. He just became the all-time winningest coach. Um, one more year wouldn't surprise me. I'm just not sure if that's what Quinn Snyder is going to want. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. The Spurs have been bad. And you can be the guy who is the successor to Popovich, and you may still have a bad team, and maybe you improve, and maybe you don't. Um, but do you want to be the successor? Especially when he's built some. What he's built in Utah has been nice. Utah is a team that they have all the tools to be a championship contender. The question is going to be how they show up in the playoffs. Anthony, <laughs> Anthony. Isaiah Thomas um, signed a second 10-day contract with the Charlotte Hornets. And, and I mentioned this on a previous show. Like, Isaiah Thomas is really kind of hard to figure out. I'm a big Isaiah Thomas guy. I like the fact he plays with a chip on his shoulder. I like he was the last pick in the draft and he made a career and became an MVP candidate. Um, I like the fact that he's still striving to live his dream. And some people will tell him he needs to quit or say that, you know, that he... They should you know, look for people who have higher upsides. But I'm like, if the man can do it, he can do it. Um, And he doesn't fit in the G League. Because the thing is, you put him in G League and he just dominates. But he hasn't found his niche in the NBA either. Not, and at least a niche this time around. But it might be with the Hornets. So, if you remember, he signed with the Lakers earlier. And... Everybody was pretty pumped about that, me me included, because I was like, okay, he's getting his chance to come back, and then everybody's dream scenario would be that he would end up back up with the Celtics. His fans, he's loved, beloved in Boston. So first he signed a 10-day contract with the Lakers. He ended up playing four games, shot roughly 31% from the field. 23% from three-point land, averaged 9.3 points. It, it wasn't, it just wasn't attractive. Then he went to Dallas on another 10-day contract. He played one game for Dallas. Played a grand total of 13 minutes, six points, four assists. His shooting percentage was better, but not by a lot. It was 38%. And this is where people were sort of wondering if he deserved the chance that he was getting. So he signed with the Hornets. He's played three games for the Hornets, and he just signed a second 10-day contract. For the Hornets, his shooting percentage is up to 40, rounding up to 44. His three-four percentage is up to 43. He's averaging 9.7 points. It looks like he's finding his role. Because if any of you don't know, like he was literally scoring in the 40s easily in those G League games. Like, he he was too good to be in the G League. He just hadn't found his role. He just hadn't found his spot. So it's it's nice to see that that's happening. Um, I would like to see him turn this into something where he finishes out the season for them. It will be interesting to see, because it looks like so far, like the more exposure and time he's getting, the better he's getting. But we'll wait and see. 
Um, Alex Caruso is expected to return soon for the Bulls. So that's that's a nice little pickup for them in terms of like he gives them defensive intensity. And let's rem- and the fact is the Bulls have not beaten the top six teams in the league. And that's definitely, definitely a problem when it comes to the playoffs. You're not gonna you're you're not gonna get into the second round and not face one of those teams. So the Pistons have showed interest in Mitchell Robinson a free agency. Um, if I'm the Knicks, it's it's a tough call. I like Mitchell Robinson a lot, but him being hurt last year had them playing with Julius Randle at center, and Randle had the his had the best season of his career. Now that Randall is not the center, now that he's not playing downhill like he was before, he's struggled. And the difference is it's, it's coming up in wins. So the Pistons looking at Mitchell Robinson, and it makes you wonder if the Knicks can strike a deal. Or if they feel like Mitchell's the future, in which case maybe they look to move Randall. We've had an explosion of 50-point games lately. And high 40-point games. Josh Hart, I think he had 48. Trey Young had 47. Kyrie had a 50-pointer. Jason Tatum had a 54. LeBron had a 56 and a 50-pointer. Kevin Durant went for 53. Like, it's been an explosion of 50-point games. And as a fan, like, that, that's that's great. As a fan, you, you look at it, you, it gets you excited. But... It also has you questioning, like, where the defense is and how much focus are you going to really put on one guy? Um, and how and how big of a deal is a 50-point game? And I, and I don't say that to diminish it, but let's look at triple-doubles. Triple-doubles used to be a more of a rarity. Because it was a rarity, it was a bigger deal, and typically – those guys getting triple doubles, and I could be wrong about this, but because I'm going off of memory, but those guys, those teams were winning, and because they were getting triple doubles, and now you have this triple double craze where you'll see two or three triple doubles in a game. Like it's not, it's not uncommon to see at least two double triple doubles in a game, and these teams are, and it doesn't mean they're necessarily winning, and that's partly because we've gotten more into isolation basketball and ball dominant basketball that is one guy pretty much making decisions for everybody not saying it's right or wrong it's just this is the direction the league has gone so i don't know if all these 50 point games are good relatively speaking because a 40 point game used to mean something and now it's like eh but it diminishes like how much what like what a 40 point game really is that's 10 points a quarter overall there's it's going to be interesting to see if the trend continues if this is indeed an explosion or if this the new direction we've got the recent direction was all these threes and the natural progression of that, one would think, is if guys are hitting all these threes or getting more points on less shots, 
that they're going to start scoring higher higher points per game. Um, and that's all. That's all I got for the news. Um, other than to sit there and say that we're you know we're coming down. The playoffs are soon. I'm really looking forward to it. We got March Madness going on this week. So those teams like Nate's Pacers, um, maybe New Orleans, Houston, these teams are looking forward to the lottery. It's a big deal. Force the Lakers don't have their pick. If it's, I think, I believe that if it's in the top ten, it goes to Memphis, which would be a case of the rich getting richer. And if it's anything beyond that, it goes to New Orleans. But you know, the March Madness is always a fun time. It's it's really one of my favorite days of basketball is that first Thursday. So with all that, we're gonna get into winning time. And the name of this episode is Is That All There Is? Now, I should warn you, this is a spoiler podcast. So if this is not if you want to watch the show, feel free. Go back and watch it, pause it here, go back, watch the show, come back and meet with us. Um, but I'm I'm just gonna jump into it. Overall, I, I enjoyed the episode. I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the first episode. I'm gonna be really upfront with it. Um, the first episode, I really liked all the filters. This episode, yeah, the filters, I, they just didn't. I mean, maybe it's because I'm in the second hour. It just doesn't strike me as much. And some of the cutaways also started. I felt like taking away from the story. Um. The overall arc of this episode is basically how Jerry Buss gets from looking to try to win a championship to to understanding what he needs to win, and what Jerry West get how Jerry West gets to his conclusion of what he needs to do to get this team to win. But it starts off in 1957. I'm in the in the West household, and I should say. I don't know everything I've read. I mentioned this last uh, the, the last review, but everything I've read kind of doesn't point to the same Jerry Bus that I'm seeing. So I don't know how many liberties were taken or you know where the stories came from. Maybe they're all 100% true. I, I really don't know. But it comes from West Virginia 57 where Weston is, is in his room and his mom and dad are arguing and it sounds like his mom's about to get beat and how he just uses basketballs and escape. Then it jumps to 72 when they finally win a championship and he just doesn't even appear happy. And to be fair, like I've heard that about Jerry West on multiple occasions, like he hates losing more than he enjoys winning. And that can be a very miserable time. So then we jump back to what would be present day in this in this uh, show of 1979, and they're sitting in the room, and and J- Jerry West says what he needs, and everybody goes through their thing, and Jerry, but and he basically West says, "Look, like we're you're never gonna give me what I need. You're never gonna spend the money." And Jerry Bus was like, "Look, make me a list of what you need. Put the team together that can win a championship." So Jerry West, that's what Jerry West begins to do. Like he goes around talking to players. He 
you see him like just laying on the floor in his underwear trying to think it through like he goes through a whole litany of emotions and ideas and when we reach the end of the episode the idea he finally comes up with is it's not me that it's not the team that's not capable it's me like i'm not the coach for this team and that's the cliff harold leaves you on now as a laker fan i know jerry west doesn't go anywhere but i also know he doesn't coach this team um we got to see our first david stern at the owners meeting which was kind of nice we got to see what was what i felt the best part of the show was the interactions with with, with Jerry West, I mean, my bad, Jerry Buss and Red Auerbach. Um, it really may be the best, how do I explain this? It might be the best character interactions that we've seen. Because John C. Riley is really starting to harness the multiple sides of bus from the happy-go-lucky guy which he was in last episode who's trying to get over to the guy who grew up in wyoming dirt poor and it's it's kind of neat to see that transformation in this it's, you know, it, it, because I kind of felt like a lot of this show was kind of flat. Like there was no, like, like there was enough, enough depth, but it was more about entertaining. But now we're starting to scratch the surface and get into some of um, Jerry's depth. They had uh, Michael Chiklis playing Red Auerbach. I think he did a wonderful job, a wonderful job. And the confrontation between him and Jerry Buss at the end, well, close to the end was great. It, I'm, it, it made you believe that Red Auerbach made him understand what he was going to need to be a winner in this league. Once again, don't know if it's true, but it was sure good television. Um, the Magic Johnson storyline was basically about him and, and getting used to money and getting used to fame and wanting to be with Cookie and sleeping around. And it's, I don't know, like, I can't say that it's unneeded because I don't, I, you know, like the story's got far to go, but I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like they, like some of it was just kind of filler. Like, well, we're doing this part, and the fans need to know what's going on with magic. So we've got to we've got to put this in here, and that's kind of where I went. Like, I think that's part of the reason why this episode didn't strike me as well as the last episode because because nothing felt forced last episode, and some of the magic cookie stuff really felt kind of forced. But, but you know, like I said, I don't know where they're going, and I know that you know that ends up being his wife. So. Maybe later on in the story, especially because when we first started episode one, we started in 91 before his announcement of HIV status. Maybe that this is all that's, this is all going to help build. Um, 
they had another great quote this episode. I don't know which other owner that Jerry Buss was talking to, but he asked the owner if he ever had a have a woman give him blowjob while drinking champagne. It, this this show does do that great. It puts in quotes that are unbelievably out of nowhere comical, but they feel very natural to the show. Um, we can see Jeannie's growth a little bit in this. And, you know, as they're trying to figure out what to do with the forum to make more money. But, yeah, it, this was really like, I felt like this was more of a character development episode. I felt like it was like, eh, you know, like, we're not going to really, because other than, other than Jerry West saying that he couldn't coach this team. And the Red Auerbach, Jerry Buss conversations everything here was character development which is not bad but i don't the story didn't super it didn't like there was there was only the two moments that really progressed the story i felt like of course you know i'm like i'm gonna keep watching it because it is intriguing um and maybe next time the filters won't bother me as much. Maybe I'll get back to the, the, the same mindset I had in the first episode. Um, overall, like if I was grading these episodes, I would have said the first episode was an A minus and this one is a B. Maybe even a B minus. Like it's good. But I just, I, I wanted I wanted more to progress the story. But I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, feel free to hit us up on Instagram at, at Ball Up Top Podcast, on Twitter at Ball Up Top Pod, our YouTube channel. Um, right now, we're just doing the NFT shows. We are going to grow beyond that. Soon, the podcast will go up on YouTube also. We're just trying to figure out how we want to present it. Um, overall, it's been it's, it's an exciting week of basketball because we do have the NCAA tournament. I don't know how much of that I'm going to cover, but I may, you know, we may, we may talk a little bit about that on Thursday. I mean, Thursday is the day. Um, other than that, I hope everyone has a good night. Stay safe. See you next show. Get your head in the game.